With what holds so many believers back, causing them to lose their edge, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. One of the greatest barriers that we see holding back believers is what we would term worldliness, that Christians are caught up in worldliness, and it's just sapped the life out of them. They're just not as on fire or zealous for the things of God anymore because the world has sapped it out of them. A worldly type of Christian, a Christian caught up in worldliness, is the brother, the sister that seems to have lost their edge spiritually. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. You're not a believer for long until you discover the world is hostile toward God and consequently the believer who seeks to follow God's will. How will you respond when faced with that? Stay tuned for an encouraging edition of Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We parked on this very rich verse found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, to mine its treasures. We come now to verse 2, here with more on God's will for our lives, what can get in the way, and why we struggle with it is Pastor Ed. We spent the entirety of our time looking at this one verse over the last few weeks. It is the very pathway that we put ourselves on in discovering the will of God for our lives. This total, complete, wholehearted abandonment over to the things of God, holding nothing back. Remember, Paul spent the first 11 chapters of Romans teaching us doctrine. I mean, some heavy-duty doctrine, because he knows that in our doctrine and what we believe is going to dictate the way that we behave. So he wants to lay the foundation for us as he does in all of his letters. You'll notice as you read the letters of Paul, usually the first half of the letter is very doctrinal, very instructive, very heavy at times. And then he ends the letter by taking all that we've learned and then teaching us how to apply it to our lives. So you could say that the beginning of Paul's letters are the what, and the second half, the ending of Paul's letters, are the how. What does this look like in real life? So there are many things that prevent us, I think, from presenting ourselves to God. There's a lot of barriers. One of them, of course, is the fear factor. You're just afraid. You're afraid of what might happen. You're afraid of what God might do or allow in your life. I mean, if you really surrender your life to God, you're afraid of what would happen, and fear holds you back, as it does many. Maybe it's not fear for you, but instead it's some hidden or unconfessed sin in your life that you know that if you present yourself to God, God's going to deal with that area in your life. He's going to reveal it to you again, afresh and anew. You have to learn how to live with it in the side here, and you've compartmentalized it, and it's not that big a deal to you. And you know if you wholly present yourself to God, then God's going to start to put his finger on areas in your life, and you just don't want to do that. You don't want to go there. And so, well, you ask for God's will for your life, and the answer is the same every single time, but you're not willing to respond. Still other reasons why we wouldn't yield ourselves to God. You, you feel inadequate or unprepared. I mean, you don't even know the Bible, you know? You don't even know how to pray. And like, is God going to just use a guy like me? Is he going to use a gal like me? I, I mean, I don't know all that much. And 
And my answer is yes, God wants to use. Don't let inadequacy or unpreparedness. God always equips and trains those that he calls into ministry and to service. It's worth you giving yourself to him. And of course, there's always that constant spiritual warfare that's ongoing in our lives. It's this battle for our souls and for our our productivity for the fruit of our lives, and, and there's all kinds of weird stuff swirling around. But let me add this, church, where we are here from verse 1 into verse 2. He says right in the beginning of verse 2, notice, and do not be conformed to this world. He first states the positive side of following the will of God. Hey, hey, you know, I beg you guys, consider the mercies of God. Consider the grace of God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. It's reasonable. It's your reasonable act of worship. It's a good thing to do. That's the positive. And now the negative is, hey, watch out for the world. The world in which you live in, the world in which we live in is hostile to the things of God. There's no two ways about it. And one of the greatest barriers that we see holding back believers is what we would term worldliness. That Christians are caught up in worldliness. And it's just sapped the life out of them. They're just not as on fire or zealous for the things of God anymore because the world has sapped it out of them. A worldly type of Christian, a Christian caught up in worldliness, is the brother, the sister that seems to have lost their edge spiritually. I mean, when you compare their life and you look at their life, you go, well, they are sharp as a knife, man. They're the sharpest knife in the block when it comes to their career. I mean, they're progressing in their career. They're just making great strides. But when it comes to the things of God, they're dull, lifeless. I mean, as a mom, as a dad, you got all the books, you got all the tools, all the training. When it comes to parenthood, you look at yourself and go, man, I'm sharp, I'm ready to go, let me have them. I want to grow my kids in the ways of the Lord. But when it comes to your spiritual life, you're dull. There's no sharpness to your life anymore. And could it be because the world is a big part of your life? And you're living for this world. You're living in this world, of course. And the world's just just got you. Taking all of your energy away. Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. He says it matter-of-factly. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. He says, you believer out there, you believer in here, don't be conformed to this world. Don't lose your edge spiritually. Don't be caught up in the world, living for the world, sold out to the world, Well, there are so many Christians that live that way, they don't even realize it. They don't even see it. I mean, if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, the world and its ungodly system will sap every spiritual desire out of you one little day at a time, one piece at a time. I mean, for you note takers, whether you're taking notes or not, I hope you take note of this. Don't be conformed to this world. Listen to how the Phillips translation translates this verse. I love it. He translated this way, don't allow the world, don't allow the world around you to squeeze you into its mold. (laughs) And oh, does the world try to squeeze you and me into its mold. To get you and me off the potter's wheel. As we've learned earlier, where the master potter, he shapes and molds our lives. He says, no, 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 we don't want you on the potter's wheel. We want you in the world and we'll shape you and we'll mold you. And Paul says, you really want to find the will of God for your life? Then reject this world. Reject the world. Don't dabble in it. 
don't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church and go, I have a little different. You know, what happens is, is that it just becomes this duality of life where you are one thing in the church here on this time, this 90 minutes on the weekend or a couple hours on a Wednesday night and you've got your face on and you've come to church and you're ready, you're in the building and you're worshiping and you're singing, but when you walk out the doors, you're a completely different person. Could it be worldliness? Yes, it could. It could be that you have wholesale sold out to the world. I mean, how does it happen? Because as a pastor, let me tell you, it doesn't really mean, you don't really have to be a pastor to see this. You can just be a fellow believer looking out at each other. You don't have to be a pastor, but from my perspective, I see it a lot. Let me just say it this way. The world is alive and well in the church today. Unfortunately, I just came back from a trip this past Friday, coming into my office yesterday, and on my desk, you know, they stacked the mail up for me. I looked through the mail and, and see if anything's for me, and I just threw two big magazines away of companies wanting me to pastor this church like the world would have me pastor this church. There's all kinds of techniques out there, all kinds of programs, all kinds of, and I, if they weren't so thick, I'd shred them. i just throw them. I tr my trash can gets full of this junk all the time because the enemy knows if he can get the leadership of the church, the church will most likely follow the leader. And churches are filled with the world today because believers are filled with the world today. There's no two ways about it. Oh, this isn't a message for you guys. It's a message for us. I'm not naive enough to think that the enemy doesn't always shoot arrows my way to make me a worldly pastor, a man that rests on the flesh and not on the spirit. A man that says, oh, oh God, great beginning. We've begun in the spirit. Let's perfect it in the flesh. No way. I realize that there's always things coming my way because so go the leaders, so goes the church. But you know, it's the same for you. The world wants to press you into its mold. And I, let me tell you guys, the world has a mold. And the world has a message. And it's constantly bombarding us. Moment by moment, day by day. I mean, how does it work? Does a, does a believer just wake up one day and say, you know, I think I'm going to wholesale, live for the world. I'm going to throw my Christian heritage away. All that my parents taught me. We got through things so good, so strong. I'm just going to throw everything away today and just live for the world. I don't think so. I don't think it happens that way at all. Instead, what happens is a Christian's faith and zeal and passion gets eroded Day by day, little by little, piece by piece. The process is gradual. The process is slow. And unfortunately, the process is often thorough. As a Christian, he or she loses her edge and no longer lives for the things of God. Rarely does a person jump into sin so quickly but rather it happens very slowly, very subtly, and ultimately very destructively every single time. It's like the proverbial story of the frog in the kettle, remember? You're familiar with it. They did tests with frogs and kettles. And in the first test, they took a kettle, filled it with water, and raised the heat to where the water boiled. They took that poor little frog and dropped him in the kettle full of boiling water, and you know what the frog did? Said, I'm out of here, man. What are you doing? If the frogs could talk, he would go, what are you doing? It's a little hot for my bath water, you know? And he jumps right out. They take the same frog. 
They take the same kettle. They put a little more water in it, but this time not so hot, a little lukewarm, a little cold. Put the frog in there, and the frog going, this is great. I like this temperature. And while the frog is settling in the water, you know what they do? They turn the heat up one degree or so at a time. So as the water continues to heat, the frog has no idea, doesn't even recognize that in just a few moments, he's going to be boiled to death. I'll tell you, many of our moral values and our strong Christian witness are literally being boiled to death in a society that's filled with entertainment and pressure and anxiety and a world that has a message trying to conform us into its image. So our prayer is like, Lord, Lord, take us out, right? And get us out of here. Come deliver us. That's the solution. Let's just make a little Christian commune up in the mountains, right? We'll just get all the Christians together and we'll put, we'll lock the world out of the Christian commune and we'll just hang out and have a great old time. The problem, of course, is that all those Christians bring their flesh with them, man, right into the middle of it. And that's not God's will for us. He doesn't want to take us out of the world. He wants us in the world. Did you know that? He wants you in the world, but not of it. Flip over to John chapter 17, would you? It's to the left. Because Jesus prays for us. And when he prays for us, you think, wow, if he really cares, he'd pray that we get delivered. But he doesn't pray that way at all. What he prays is interesting. Look at John 17, verse 15. Here in John's gospel, it's that high priestly prayer of Jesus. And in verse 15, notice what he prays for us, for you and me. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. And you're like, what? You're going to leave us here? He says, oh, I don't pray that, Father, you would take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. See, it's important that you and I live in this world, but to be untouched and untainted by this world is vital because the world has a message for sure. And discovering the will of God for your life, gang, is so vital that you, that you reject this world and its system. I believe it requires you to reject this world and this system. From John, flip over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Let's put some observations on this worldly system that John gives us in 1 John chapter 2. In discerning the will of God for our lives, it's important that we reject the world. Paul says it. John says it. Jesus says it. Don't be conformed to this world. Verse 15, chapter 2. John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. John says the same thing. He says, reject the world. Don't get caught up in it. But when he says, don't love the world, there seems to be a little bit of tension in our hearts, because doesn't Jesus say in an earlier passage, you know it, you know it well. It's John 3, 16. Doesn't Jesus say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? And now just a few chapters, a few years later, now John, one of his followers, saying, don't love that world. It sounds like a contradiction, but it's not. Same words used here in the original language, but the context is so key. From the context in John chapter 3, we learn that the word world refers to people, 
God still loves people today. We're not to reject the people of this world. That's why God's put us in this world, to love people into the kingdom of God. But when we come to 1 John chapter 2, this word world is not referring so much to people as it does to the world's system, the way the world operates. It's obviously biblical and true that Jesus loves the world and desires to draw men and women to himself, extending forgiveness through Jesus Christ. But there is that world system that seeks to draw mankind away from the love and the grace of Jesus, to pull men and women away from a vibrant life in him. It's an organized system run by the devil himself, who the Bible refers to as the prince of the power of the air, that the whole world, the Bible says, is under the sway of the wicked one. And this system is pressing in on you and pushing in on you all the time. You know, there are men and women, many of them working on Madison Avenue, working overtime, workaholics, working on ways to influence you through advertising, through commercials, through messages. They're coming at us all the time. I mean, when you think of the messages that you and I see every day, worldly has to be at the top of the list of what they are. They're so ungodly. So many of them don't reflect the love and the grace and the mercy of our God. And we see them all the time. We're bombarded with them. The problem is, is that they don't tell the whole story. The problem is the world never tells you the truth about what's going to happen at the end. I mean, I don't get it. I, I still don't understand why here in Colorado, during a football game, they'll put a beer commercial up there filled with half-dressed men and women playing volleyball on the beach. There's not a beach like a thousand miles from here, is there? But no, that's the way. The world says, hey, look, 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 guess what, guess what? If you drink this beer, boy, you're just going to have the greatest time. I mean, look, there's the girl. She's half-dressed. She's got a beer in one hand and hitting the ball with the other one. Isn't she so happy? Oh, ho, ho. And then it ends right there, doesn't it? Go buy our beer. And that's the end of it. But see, the world doesn't tell the whole story. If that commercial could, could just go 60 seconds more, if they could just take a 60 seconds more, well, what they failed to show us is that that same girl that ended up playing volleyball, getting drunk on the beach, ended up getting into a crash on the way home and killed a person in a DUI crash. Oh, they don't show you that. No, no, no way. That would hurt, that would hurt business. They don't show you that. They don't show you that. Well, the guy that was there, well, the guy that was there was playing volleyball, you know, he didn't get so drunk because he knew the girls were getting drunk. So he started having sex with them. And they didn't show you if they went 60 seconds more that that one girl over there, you know, the shy one that never had drank before, but now she's kind of stepped into it. Well, she ended up getting pregnant. The guy ditched her. Oh, that girl, you know, she, she had plans to go to college. She had plans to move on with her life, and now her whole life has taken a turn, and everything's changed for her. They don't show you that. Mm -mm. They'd never show you that. How about the other girl at the other beach? They went another 60 seconds, so they don't show her. See, she's gotten pregnant before. She's gotten pregnant two or three or four times. And instead of choosing to keep the baby, she already knows. She can go down to Planned Parenthood and have an abortion. She's done it before. No big deal for her. And they don't watch her going in. She doesn't care about any boys. She's using the boys as much as the boys were using her. She doesn't care. And they don't show you the atrocities of abortion. They don't go another 60 seconds and show the kind of trauma that a girl goes through for a long, long time because of abortion. And by the way, you know, if you have faced that in your past, you have that decision in your past. You know, there are people here, we have people 
that would love to serve you and show you the healing that God can give through a decision like that. But I know so many of you are on the front end of your life and you're going to be making decisions right now that you want to avoid. You don't want to go that way. You don't want to believe that kind of stuff. The world's not telling you the truth. It's just simply not telling you the truth to conform you. Oh, it's a happy day on the beach, but for a lot of them, it wasn't happy at all. That's all. They give you that little snippet. They just give you that little picture. You know, for many, many years as Christians, what Marie and I have done and taught our kids to do, they'll just say this. You can avoid so much of the world's influence if you just stop watching commercials. Seriously. If you just stop watching commercials, so much of the world's influence would not be coming into your head. And as an early age, we learned, you know, we have that remote control for the TV. Now, do any of you guys remember, other services didn't, but do any of you remember the old remotes that just made noise? Click, click. Anybody? Am I that old? I remember we used to click, click, and then the dial on the TV would just had like 10 channels on it. It would go click, click, you know? Well, there's new remotes now. New TVs. And if you've chosen to watch TV in any form, it'd be good for you to learn how there's a button on your remote, most remotes that say video on it. And the idea behind the button is to, to connect your TV to a VCR or a CD or, or a DVD player or whatever, and you click that video button, and if you don't have a DVD on or connected, it just turns the screen black, and it mutes it. And you can kind of learn that after about 60 seconds, 90 seconds, the commercials are off, and you can go back to watching your game or watching whatever you're watching and just kind of continue on without being influenced by the commercials. And now they've invented more than that. Some of you guys have that TiVo thing in your house, right? So that you can just fast forward through the commercials, boom, right straight through. The, like a show that takes an hour to play because it's like 10 minutes, boom, ran right through. <laughs> it's amazing. So that, you know, technology, if, you, if you're strong enough in the Lord, you can actually use technology to your advantage. And of course, you know, there's that sense of watching, you know, being careful what you watch, even on TV and being careful with all that stuff. And you know that already. You just walk in the Spirit. The Spirit will give you direction on that. But I'm telling you, it's over and over and over again. This world is pressing and pushing and yelling. And you can't even walk through Safeway without being bombarded by the magazines as you walk out. Have you noticed? Magazines with these women that are also half-dressed or, or even young men half-dressed. You know, they're speaking to you, but they're also speaking to our kids, saying this is what you should look like and this is what you'll look like and what a great life and if you don't look like this then somehow you are not good enough lying against the truth that our kids, your kids are precious in the sight of the Lord no matter what they look like. No matter, oh, they're all airbrushed anyway, man. It's not even true. Teaching our young boys at a very early age this world does that women are just objects so treat them that way. They're just objects. So use them however you want to use them. Treating our young girls saying, you know what, you're an object, so you better make sure as an object you're attractive to the opposite sex. So make sure you wear the right bikini and show this part of your body and do, and it's just, man, guys, teach your kids. Please, teach your kids that they are precious in the sight of God. Pastor Ed Taylor with an urgent appeal to teach your kids how precious and loved they are. More on this and other ways the world seeks to influence us next time on Abounding Grace. We've slowed our pace here in Romans chapter 12, and for good reason. There is so much here for us to take in and apply. So why not give this a second listen? You can do that by visiting AboundingGraceRadio.com.
or listen through our app. Download that from the App Store or Google Play by searching for Calvary Aurora. We're also on OnePlace.com. We're really excited about this month's offer in light of the times we're living in. How close are we to the time of the end that the Bible speaks of? In 25 Signs We Are Near the End, Don Stewart examines the Scripture, unveiling what it has to say about coming events and the end. Many Christians avoid books like Daniel, Ezekiel, and Revelation because they find it difficult to understand. But Don Stewart will present it in an easy-to-understand way. It's our pick of the month, available for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. We ask that you call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you're not ordering resources but would just like to make a donation to the ministry, you can do so online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Hasn't it been neat to see how the Lord has used live streaming during the global pandemic? While nothing can compare to meeting together in person, it is a great way to worship and study the Word when you need to stay at home. At Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, we live stream Saturday evenings at 6 and on Sunday mornings at 8.45 and 10.45. That's Mountain Standard Time. Just go to calvaryco.church to watch those services or watch through our app. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but come back tomorrow when we'll return to Romans on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.